I think most salespeople, um, the really good salespeople, are uh, more focused on credit and the spotlight and like feeling accomplished uh, more than you know what their W two says. Uh, your W two is a reflection of of how hard you worked and like how fulfilled you are as an individual salesperson. It doesn't go the other way around. Welcome to Sales Pipe Pros Podcast. Here's your host, Mike Petrosian. All right, everyone. Welcome to Sales Pipe Pro. I am your host, Mike Petrosian. Thanks so much for joining. And I have a very special guest today. This man is a quota crusher. Comes from tons of sales experience. I personally work with him, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but I appreciate this guy's style. True go-getter. Doesn't take no for an answer. And I'm excited to have him here. Tim Yandel, welcome, my friend. Thanks, Mike. Pleasure to be here. Appreciate you joining. So, since college, <laughs> you have been in sales and that has not changed. Tell me a little bit about what inspired you to get into sales, how you got into sales. Tell us how it all started. Uh, so, I went to University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. I actually graduated and was, um, you know, was, uh, was going in the journalism path, print journalism. And, you know, at that point in time, graduating with that degree, uh, graduate, I don't want to date myself, but it was right about the time that the internet was getting popular. Um, and, you know, print news was, was slowly going away. Um, and, you know, the money wasn't into it. And honestly, if I want to pursue a career into that field, I'd have to move to like a rural place in Idaho uh, and live there for a couple of <laughs> years and do your thing. And, uh, and that just really didn't appeal to me. So I decided to pursue my other passion, which is uh, become a rock star. <laughs> and uh, so moved to Chicago and um, ended up, you know, bartending and playing gigs and playing guitar and singing and doing all that kind of good stuff. I was in two bands. And then we started getting popular and we realized that we can't do bartending gigs anymore. So we needed to all get day jobs. <laughs> and lo and behold, uh, I decided to, you know, do like a lot of entry level salespeople do is just interview with a bunch of, you know, uh, scam based companies and, uh, and then find a good one. Uh, so I ended up, you know, finding an entry-level sales job and kind of worked my way up from there and then realized that as soon as the band kind of was falling, uh, falling, uh, falling away, we had a little bit of a difficulty, like VH1 behind the music, a little bit of disagreement between the songwriters. Um, and uh, at that point in time, my sales career was kind of taken off and I was, I was uh, becoming good at it. So when, you're, when you start to work on things and you become good at something, it's, it, does, uh, it does wonders for your, uh, for your interest level. So. Also That's how I got into it. From journalism to rock star to sales star. Yeah. Typical <laughs> path it. that everyone could follow, right? <laughs> uh, awesome. So you got into sales. Clearly, you were great at it. What are some of the methodologies that you adopted early on that really let you crush it in sales right away? Um, oh, I didn't really have any methodologies to begin beginning with. Um, I just, you know, actually, I really was, <laughs> yeah, I was really bad at, uh, at first. Um, I think it's more of a competitive nature. So I, when I started, there was like, you know, there was like a, a uh, an hour meeting uh, of like what you're supposed to do and welcome to the company. And then when I got out of the meeting, it was literally this like source material that was handwritten from someone that got fired before with phone numbers on it and uh, started with three people. And the goal was, you know, try to get as many connects as you can. Uh, and um, here's the, here's your sales script and then go. And it was literally like, there's no warm and fuzzies when I first started. Uh, and I got crushed by my, by my other people who started with me. I just was, you know, out of my element, you know, didn't like it and felt uncomfortable. But then I started realizing that, uh, you know, um, 
being competitive with the people who started with me was important. So I needed to like really, really beat them uh, and kept that and hone that interest. And then, um, and then honestly, if I had to like really, really hone it down to one thing, it's listen to your trainers and the people who tell you what to do and apply at least one per, I mean, all these meetings are fairly long anyways, but like we'd have a meeting every day about uh, an hour and a half long. And all I had to do was just really implement one thing that they suggested or tried to do that day. And uh, it really wasn't rocket science. I think a lot of folks just like one in one ear and out the other. Uh, and my, I attribute a lot of my success to really not doing that and really holding myself accountable to try the new things that they were teaching me. Uh, and then once you do it a couple times and you start seeing the results, uh, then you start to become a master at it and you just kind of get better with time. Awesome. Now, did you have specific mentors outside of work that you were kind of feeding off of that was kind of inspiring you to do? better in sales was it a different motivator i guess what truly motivated you because you were you were getting crushed in the beginning what truly motivated you to stay in the game i think that you have to find opportunity in things that most people don't see uh and we when i um when i and uh we had kind of um a new vp of sales kind of take over and um i was the most junior person in the office uh, and then shortly thereafter by about three months in everyone quit and got fired uh, and i was like the the most senior person in the office and at that point in time, I was like, this isn't for me. Uh, I'm looking for something else. Like, it's kind of fun here, but like everyone's leaving and like getting caught up on that um, yeah. banter. And uh, I talked to my grandpa and uh, talking about my new job. And he's like, listen, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to be looking for a job uh, just like everyone else. And he's like, listen, if everyone is, if you're starting out in your career, the main thing you need to do is try to differentiate yourself from the pack of people that quit. Uh, and so if all the people you're talking to are saying that uh, they're, they don't know if they're going to be doing this for the rest of their life and questioning themselves and their decisions, he's like, all you got to do is do it for a year, uh, become good at it and see if you still hate it. And uh, it was, it was really, really sound advice because after the first year, I mean, it's not like I'm like, okay, here's a year mark. Uh, I'm going to go go ahead and see if I still like it or not. Uh, it was like a blue past the first year, didn't even think about it year two. And then I finally remembered. Um, like that's, you know, it, it's funny how you forget that stuff when you're doing well, but it was just like really focusing on being really good at something as opposed to like, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? And I think that a lot of folks, especially coming out of college, that question is so daunting and huge. Like, right. what do I want to do for the rest of my life? Like, listen, I don't even know if I want to be doing, doing sales for the rest of my life. Like I can't, who can answer that question? <laughs> you know, uh, you just do what you do and try to be really good at it. And un until something else presents itself, what's the point of thinking about it? I hear you, man. You know, I love that you have not mentioned a single thing about money yet. For you, it was more of a competitive spirit, really hating the fact of failure, not accepting failure, but still trying to do everything you possibly can to not be that other guy that gets fired. So yeah. kudos to you. But I mean, money-wise, I mean, there's got to be some sort of inspiration that kept you in the game, right? It actually wasn't money, and it still isn't, but uh, it helps, you know, it helps the conversation yeah. of other folks. Like, I live in San Francisco. I own a house in San Francisco, so, I mean, I couldn't have those things without money, but I would say that uh, I think most salespeople, um, the really good salespeople, are uh, more focused on credit and the spotlight and, like, feeling accomplished uh, more than, you know, what their W-2 says. Uh, your W-2 is a reflection of, of how hard you worked and like how fulfilled you are as an individual salesperson. It doesn't go the other way around. So I've never seen anyone make money and then, you know, uh, seek success afterwards. And, and it just doesn't, right. doesn't go that way. No, I totally appreciate that. So going back to where we work together, true story, Tim and I actually were on the same team 12 years ago. 
I joined Tim's team because of Tim. I barely knew anything about the product or the company, but as soon as we met, we totally clicked. I totally saw a quota crusher that I knew was going to help me in my career. Ironically enough, I ended up leaving three weeks later because it just wasn't a good fit for me. And I think you and I had that transparent conversation. Uh, huge turnover as well. You know, it was just a very highly competitive environment. Wasn't for me at the time. Uh, but what I noticed about you is you were a cold calling machine, man. Like there's just something that was about you that you were very comfortable on the phone and you were continuously constantly opening up opportunities. So that brings me up to what are some of the strategies that you've adopted that helps build pipe ready for close? Uh, I, I think in, you know, cold calling is, is still, it's still uh, a useful skill. I mean, everyone uh, that's done uh, sales at this point in time and successful realizes that's a huge component of um, regardless of like how big the sale is or how many dials you need to make, you still have to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Um, right. But I think that uh, if I had to point to it, it's all about time management and forcing you to do the, the, the things that you don't want to do. Um, and I think if, if you think about it, like everybody wants to build relationships and talk to people that love you and love your product, whatever it might be. Uh, but at the end of the day, you got to like really, really put the time and, and, um, and a lot the time per week per day uh, to make sure that you're, um, you're focused and organized to do what you need to do. So, and it's yeah. just a skill that you never really kind of um, go away. So when tough times happen, if your pipe looks like it's, you know, lame sauce and not going to get you to where you need to go, you just gotcha. have to put your, you just have to look at your calendar and say, is it filled? You know, if it's not filled, that's your fault. So, you know, pick up the phone or shoot a LinkedIn message or go on Twitter or however you get people to respond to you and maybe all of it above uh, and then and then do it. Absolutely. So it's more of a numbers game with you is continuing to grind, put in that work and then eventually good results will come. Yeah, it's like we're, it's like, uh, you know, working out. Right. And it's like, you know, you got to if you want to run a certain distance and you have to run, you know, you got to run regularly and make your, sure your muscles get uh, get larger so you can run that marathon. <laughs> Touche. Now you are currently, uh, you've heavily evolved since you're currently a VP of a very prominent organization. You're running up the entire North America's team with uh, over, I think, 45 AEs under your belt, SDRs, essays, et cetera. So there's a lot of responsibility. Um, how do you deal with underperforming reps? How do you deal with that lack of confidence that you just see that they're not performing and they're possibly not a good fit for your organization? Well, I think that um, it's different than when you started, because I think when you started, it was in the middle of the uh, recession uh, we right. just hit, so that wasn't a really great time to start. Uh, sometimes you do have exterior uh, factors that, uh, that come into play, but I think the framework that you can use is something, you, um, something I call the Rex framework, uh, and it starts with results. You know, if you're not seeing the results, you go further down, which is uh, E for effort, K for knowledge, S for skills, uh, and so... You know, usually if you're not seeing the results you're, that, that um, you'd want out of someone, you go into like, are they putting in the effort to get there, right? And if they're putting in the effort right. to get there, I'll stick in with, with most people um, as long as they have the ability um, to, you know, soak in the knowledge and apply that to skills. So um, right. typically uh, reps fail because they don't have the knowledge or skills. And so building a coaching environment uh, that, that supports that and practice and repetition um, can, can really kind of suss that stuff out. But if you don't, have, you don't have the effort and you're not putting in the work, then I don't have time. You know, it might be, you know, things we can, we can talk about, like why you're not putting the effort in. Maybe you're not inspired. Maybe you just don't feel fulfilled. Whatever might be going on in your personal life. Like there's maybe some reasons or you could just be a lazy bastard that wants everything <laughs> handed to you. So it all depends on what it is. Um, so, you know, if right. you do a good job interviewing, you hopefully can suss people out. But like, 
you know, you have to see, um, see if they're putting in the time and energy to, to, to make things work. Absolutely. So it's your belief that this is not a skill that you're just born with. I mean, there's some gr amazing sales people out there that just, just do it. But this is a skill that you could potentially attain with the right amount of resources, with the right amount of time and with mm -hmm. the right mentors, of course. Absolutely. I mean, I have, um, there's a, there's an article I wrote a while ago, uh, on LinkedIn. It's called introverts are my favorite sales hires. Um, and you know, it's got a little, a little controversy, obviously, uh, because there's, it stirred the pot in a lot of salespeople that are like, uh, uncomfortable with the fact that introverts can do sales. Uh, and, um, and the reason why I say that is like, because I think introverts know that they have, um, um, if they're in sales, they know they have a mountain of things to learn and, and kind of catch up to those naturally gifted salespeople. Right. And the naturally gifted salesperson, like going into a room and owning the room and like work in the audience and everything like that typically works less on their craft than someone who doesn't have that innately. So right. I do appreciate the folks, especially these days, um, that continually work on their, the craft of sales and focus on themselves as motivation, um, as opposed to just, you know, Johnny sales guy that just, you know, hams a room and, and just uh, doesn't improve, right? They hit their ceiling probably on year two of sales. Yep, absolutely. I, I actually recently learned this at another organization I was with. Uh, one of the managers there put this perfectly. He said that there's really two, two ways a salesperson could succeed. There's the art of sales, and then there's a science of sales mm -hmm. and the art of sales, usually those, the ones that are born, the ones that own the room, but there's a science of sales where you really put together the value, regardless of how uh, persuasive you are, how confident you are by having those numbers and everything and that strategy in place, it could ju just be as effective, if not more effective than the artistic salesperson. Would you? Yeah, I agree. Sounds like I you're in alignment with that. I mean, you have to, at this, I mean, you have to have a little bit of both to be, to be really, really great, but um, right. you can learn, you can learn, um, you can learn both. And so it really Absolutely. depends on like what you're coming into and just, just realizing that, um, uh, that there, you've got a lot to work on. So regardless Absolutely. of where you are. So I get hit up on LinkedIn all the time, Tim, you know, growing up in San Francisco, I'm clearly blessed working in the tech industry, obviously a lot of opportunity here, but I get hit up all the time from people like family, friends around the world. Like, how do I get into tech sales? I want to do what you do. I want to make that big money. And it's comical to me and I have my own response, but what would you say to someone that says, Hey Tim, I'm ready for this. I want to get into sales. Teach me, train me, get me going. To tech sales or just sales in general? Uh, let's go with tech sales. Cause that's what we know, but I guess sales I and goes to about tech sales is a good, good start there. I think it goes into why, like what's your why, you know? Um, and a lot of folks are like, well, that's just, that's what I see a lot of people being successful at. And you know, that may be a good reason for someone, but I mean, at the end of the day, like that's a weak reason when challenges hit. Cause I think that like, you have to really, really innately, I mean, I face challenges, you face challenges. Um, sure. not, it's not all kind of sniffing roses. Uh, and you have to have like at your core, what you're doing this for. Um, it could be for someone, it could be for yourself. It could be a lot of different things, but you have to have that why that keeps you going. Um, and so if someone wants to get into sales, that's, fine. I mean, tech sales and sales and whatever it might be, but you have to like really, really be confident in your core and be focused. Uh, like Absolutely. I said before, like the, the best thing I did was just, you know, once I started and felt uncomfortable and um, wanted to give up uh, just to kind of just, you know, quit whining and actually do it for a year. Uh, and then it ended up kind of manifest destiny from there. Absolutely. Now, same question goes to people because you are, you're managing a, a huge team now, entire territory. What about someone that's currently an individual contributor that wants to get into management and do sales that way? 
What advice would you give to someone that way? I'd say be careful what you wish for. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> you have to really, really, that's, that's, that's a, that goes back to the why as well. Um, and if it's like, hey, it's my next step in my career, that's not the right reason. You have to be really, really passionate about like um, putting yourself last. Uh, you got to be really, really passionate about like no longer putting yourself in the spotlight. You got to be comfortable with like uh, making sure that when, when, uh, when things go wrong, it's your fault. <laughs> when things go right, it's your team's. And um, a lot of folks, you know, especially in sales, like I said, you're used to the limelight. You're used to getting all the attention. You're used to be the top of your scoreboard and everything like that. Then it's like you got to put those days behind you. And you have to be fulfilled by the loneliness that comes with sales leadership. Like there's no one to commiserate with. You can't be like going down the elevator with a peer and be like, you know, complaining about your day or something like that. Like you got to like, you got to do all that internally. So um, a mentor of mine said a while ago, it's like, you know, um, sales leadership is the loneliest job you can get. Right. Because you got to be, there's, there's no one you can share your, uh, uh, your frustrations with because, you know, you can't kind of push that stuff downwards. Yeah. And when did you make this decision? You know, you're, you're obviously doing great in the individual contributor role. What inspired you to say, okay, now I want to be a uh, head of sales. Now I want to be a VP and manage all these people. Well, I think it, you know, I didn't take it for the right reasons. I mean, I was one of those same folks. Like it, it was, you know, I, I managed, I started managing two years into my sales career way too early. And uh, when I became manager, I just hired a bunch of people around me and I just did the job and I'm like, Hey, I probably did it to you. I'm like, Mike, you want another job? Watch me. And then that was my training methodology. That's um, pretty much what happened. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and lo and behold, you know, it wasn't what you needed. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't until like I started, you know, taking on more and more where I'm like, okay, I can't be, I can't carry this team. I can't carry this office. I can't carry this division. Uh, when I had to kind of really let go. And, um, and, and, and I think that's the main thing that kind of happens when you're an IC that goes into manager. Uh, you're going to have to be comfortable with not controlling everything. And you're already in sales, not, in control of your entire um, destiny right. because you have buyers that can say no every single day. Um, and so you're not in full control of what you do. Then you have a rep that works for you. You can't even control what they say, you know? And so like you're in control of nothing then at that point in time, but yet you're in control of everything because you have the infrastructure, you have the, the swim lanes that you're focused on. You have, you know, making sure that they have the, the right, you know, pitch in front of them, the value proposition, they're qualifying appropriately. And so I think it's just like letting go and then delegating appropriately with the people underneath you. And then once you do that, um, you can start scaling. Absolutely. And it sounds like you were kind of thrown into this opportunity and you decided to, you know, carpe diem, let's, let's really take this hold. But did you, outside of trial and error, did you have any sort of resources or books or classes or something that prepared you for that level of responsibility? Um, no, I mean, not at that time. No. Uh, so I was, it was promoted. Uh, and, and, you know, frankly, I, I was like scared out of my mind. I mean, I've never let, went uh, west of, I think, Vegas at that point in time I, from Chicago to San Francisco. And then I'm moving my life here. So it was quite a it's quite an interesting time. But I think at that point in time, I had no choice but to be successful, you know, and, right. you know, moving to San Francisco, more expensive. And and um, there was it was just literally what I ate and breathe, uh, breathe at that point in time. So mm -hmm. I did have some good mentors um, that I learned from. It wasn't until probably 2008, 2009, when I started realizing that I needed to learn more. Um, there's more to the sales playbook than what I was being taught. And so that's when I started, you know, really, really looking at business books and reading as much as possible. And I still do that to, that to, uh, to this day. Right. And with respect to like, are there any courses that you would recommend for like uh, someone that is an introvert, for instance, or any sort of programs like a Sandler, Medic, or is there anything that you would specifically 
uh, tell someone to adopt or recommend someone to adopt in order to get into this? Uh, not a specific one. I think that like, you know, try to try to um, read like the hard things about hard things is a good one. Um, oh, yeah. There's, there's a, you know, there's a, a book called, um, um, oh, I can't, there's a, there's a number of different books, but I, I forgot the one I was thinking about that, uh, that had the more like the power of selling loss to people. Um, and it's more of a psychology book. Um, but if you're looking for blocking and tackling, there's tons of stuff on HubSpot. Um, Mark Robijay, um, does a ton of really, really good books uh, that he, that he writes. Um, and that's really good for anyone kind of starting out on the basics, mm-hmm. um, methodology wise, Sandler's a good one. Uh, Sandler's old though. Uh, and then challenger sale is another one that's kind of, you know, sprung up from that. Um, and then if you all want to look, uh, look at some good methodologies out there, uh, a company called Winning by Design um, has a ton of content on YouTube uh, that just, you know, peppers you with, with how to sell. And that's been my, math, my, my methodology moving forward. But it's very similar, rooted in, in like the Sandler methodology. It's just a new modern framework for it. Gotcha. And last but not least, man, I mean, what's next for Tim Yandel? Are, are you trying to go the CRO route, manage the entire world? I mean, what's, what's, I guess, what are your goals for the next one, three, five years? Well, I think that, um, you know, I moved from the services business to us in 2013. And the, one of the main reason why was uh, I think it's that celebrating that big victory, you know, at the end. I mean, when you go into software and, you know, it's a buzzword, SaaS is a buzzword, you know, uh, and it's not because of that. But I think it's because the whole company is is charging towards an exit event as opposed to a lifestyle. Uh, and then when you have a services company that's just for, about feeding the people at the top, you know, once you even if you're at the top, you're like, ah, this isn't very fulfilling. The crossing the finish line of whatever that finish line might be, acquisition, IPO, I've had a couple successes, but nothing that's like the big one. Uh, and I think that's, that's re- really drives me right now is like going after that big one of, of saying like, we did this, right? We, we made it to this event uh, together and all the different, you know, trials and tribulations are, are really, really important to get us there. So it's really less right. about like what my title is. Uh, it's more about like the team that we build uh, and uh, making sure we get to that finish line. Uh, and it's fulfilling from that standpoint. Absolutely, man. Well, I got to tell you, um, in the three weeks that I've worked under you, I learned a lot. And to this day, I still, I remember I was on a cold call one time and I said, good afternoon, sir. How are you? And he's like, put the phone down. Don't ever say, sir, you're bagging our groceries. That still resonated <laughs> well with me. I, I like that style. Like we were in that wolf of wall street kind of a pit approach and uh, yeah. it truly inspired me in many ways, man. That's one of the reasons I reached out, wanted to thank you for all the guidance and Clearly, you did something right because you know I, I ended up excelling regardless. But uh, yeah, you should have uh, stayed for the next three weeks. That's when it really started kicking in. That first three <laughs> weeks. <it's... laughs> Were people falling off? Or <laughs> <laughs> the next three weeks, yeah. where I was really, really giving you that the the keys of the kingdom at that point in time. Oh uh, yeah, that's <laughs> right, folks. By the way, I did quit three weeks in my first college job. I quit in two thousand seven. One of the <laughs> worst times in history. So, kudos to me for making that mistake. But Tim. Really appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much for joining. Can't wait to see what else you have in store in uh, this crazy SaaS world. And uh, keep in touch, my friend. All right. Likewise. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for joining. For more episodes, visit salespipepros.com.